Just here, Martha and her family. Uh, thank you so much for coming. But then we know there's many of you that are joining us live stream, and we want to welcome you. In particular, Janie and Andy weren't able to be here today with us. And uh, so we want you to just be a, realize we know you're there and you're a part with us here as we celebrate Bud's life, Bud Sorheim. Let's, uh, let's pray together, shall we? Oh, Father God, we are so thankful for Jesus at a time like this when a loved one has made that transition from this realm to that next, laid down his body, his earthly tent, and just slipped right out and come to be with you, Lord. And we know it's all because of Jesus and that great sacrifice he made for us we know we're so close to a celebration of his birth in Bethlehem many years ago. And now, because of that, we celebrate Bud Sorheim's life, but his eternal life. And we do it all in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive your comfort and your peace that passes understanding today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read a scripture from John 14 today. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Let not these are words of Jesus. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be, be also. And we know that right after that, Thomas said, he, he says, we don't know where you're going or how to get there. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But thank God, through Jesus Christ, we have come to the Father and bud came to the Father God in his kingdom and the family of God. This time we have a special number. Uh, Johanna and Tim and Kathy Pomp are going to be accompanying her.
Joy.
Thank you, Johanna and Tim. Wherever Jesus is, there's joy. And Bud is experiencing joy right now like he has never known, never known before. Isn't that something so wonderful? Arlen, Bud, Henry, Sorheim, 87, of Ten Strike, Minnesota, passed on to heaven on Tuesday, November 24, 2020, from his home to be forever with his Lord and Savior. Burial will be at Eastside Cemetery in Frone Township with military honors at a later date. Bud was born on February 18, 1933, to Adolph and Gladys Fletcher Soheim in Kapowski, Minnesota. He graduated from Bemidji High School and joined the U.S. Air Force in 1952. He served in the 11th Air Division Rank Airman First Class as a crew chief and mechanic at Ladd Air Force Base in Alaska and was honorably discharged in 1956. He married Martha Ann Hurlbert on August 22, 1959 in Bemidji, Minnesota, and together they had five children. Bud lived in several places in Minnesota over his lifetime, including Pleasant Valley, Whitefish Lake, Solway, and Black Duck. He moved to Ten Strike, Minnesota in 1961. In her earlier years, he farmed, he worked as a mechanic at Dave Walters and logged in the woods with Clifford Gilchrist. After marriage, he was self-employed as a logger, a farmer, and the owner and operator of a sawmill in Black Duck. He loved animals. He raised elk for 11 years and also raised a plethora of animals, including Unusual ones, mouflon sheep, did I say that right? Scottish Highland cows and pheasants. Bud had an amazing gift of hospitality. He made people from all around the world feel comfortable in his home. He loved to tell stories and visit with people. He liked to make others laugh. And his family loved to listen to him laugh. I remember that laugh, too. I see, I, I see, I see in, or I hear traces of it in some of his kids once in a while, actually. He was known by many for his tender heart and generosity, as well as being a very hard worker. And he enjoyed relaxing in his easy chair and was well known for his love for sweets. Yes, he was. He would oftentimes come out of coffee time here at church with a stack of them kind of hidden, trying to hide them from Martha, I think. <laughs> but he was a member of the Ten Strike Community Church, and Arlen, or Bud, is survived by his wife, Martha, four daughters, Adam, or excuse me, Vicki, with husband Adam Sharon of Bemidji, Minnesota, Kathy and husband John Coodley and Cindy, husband Scott Davis 
of Tinstrike, Minnesota, and Janie and husband Andy Norberg of Golden Valley, Minnesota. A son, Greg, and wife, Lisa Sorheim of Black Duck. Nine grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. Two brothers, Robert Sorheim and Elroy, and wife, Carol Sorheim. Three sisters, Dorothy and John, husband John Hurlbert, Karen and husband Ed Ruby, and Marilyn and husband Doug Miller. And Bud was preceded in death by his parents, two sisters, Beatrice and husband Chuck McKay and June Sorheim, and three brothers, Vernon and wife Donna Sorheim, Donald Sorheim, and Lauren Sorheim. At this time, we're going to have the family come forward, and I, yes, and they're going to be sharing some memories and things. Um, sorry. <laughs> so we're going to take, like Pastor Steve said, some time as a family just to share some special memories about Dad. And um, I'm going to start off actually sharing just um, things I personally know about Dad's journey to Jesus. And so that's going to be my part here in today in sharing. Since I was a little girl, oh, I'm Vicki Sharon, and I'm the eldest of the siblings. <laughs> um, since I was a little girl, I just really longed to just have the assurance that my dad knew Jesus as his Savior. And I prayed that many, many times over the years. And today, I'm just really celebrating that I really have that assurance and I know that he is in heaven with the Lord. And as Dad put it many times over the last year, he said, walking on streets of gold. And <clears throat> over these last years, it was just so encouraging to see Dad grow in his relationship with the Lord. And here are just some highlights that happened along the way. In 2013, Dad was in the hospital, and the Lord just opened up some really beautiful times to um, have spiritual conversations with him, but the most precious thing that happened during that time was that I had the opportunity to lead Dad in a prayer, just um, reaffirming and confessing his faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. In that time, he confessed that he believed Jesus died for his sins and that he rose again from the dead. And... Um, yeah, Dad just really had such a tender heart, and I so many times just saw his eyes tear up when we would share when we'd share things, and when the Lord would touch him or um, something else would touch him. And I told him, I said, Dad, I go that tender heart is a gift from God, and he said, Yes, but I tried to act tough, but it was hard to do. So that was his response to that. Well, about three years later, he was in the hospital again. And again, the Lord just opened up really precious times together with him. And I was talking to him about heaven, and Dad just made the comment. He said, I've done so many transgressions. I just don't know if he'll accept me. And so we, that just really opened up the opportunity just to talk with him and remind him that 
Jesus is the one that paid for our sins. It's a free gift that you just accept and trust in him. And when we ask him to forgive us and come into our life, his blood takes away our sins, and that's what makes us worthy before God, not our own good works or anything we do in ourselves. Then he just wanted to pray again, and so he just, again, he just asked God to forgive him for his sins, and he reaffirmed his commitment to Jesus. Well, as a lot of you know, these last couple years were pretty rough for Dad physically, and his brain and his memory just weren't functioning for him like they were supposed to. Mom became his caregiver, and um, thank you, Mom. <laughs> Mom really poured out her life for Dad, and... We'll just always be so, so grateful for that. And the Lord also brought other really wonderful and loving caregivers into mom and dad's life that helped mom take care of dad. And so um, I, um, I think one of them is here today. <laughs> and, um, and I know there's some others that may be watching by online. And we're just so thankful for the care that they gave to dad. Um, over the last couple years, we as a family had the opportunity and privilege of having dad come stay with us when mom was in town shopping or when she um, went on trips. And during those times, again, the Lord just gave us some really precious times of, of talking about spiritual things. One of those times I asked dad if he was confident that God had forgiven him. And remembering back to his conversation I had had a number of years ago about where he wasn't sure God would accept him, but Without any hesitation, he said yes. He was confident God had forgiven him. And he also prayed and forgave people that had hurt him in the, in the past. And that was significant. One time I asked Dad if he wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said yes. And so I led him in prayer. Um, and he asked the Holy Spirit to fill him. And after praying, we listened to the song, Raise a Hallelujah, together. And I just raised my hands and was worshiping the Lord. And Dad raised his hands, too. And the whole, I mean, it was such a tangible um, presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And so that was, that's something I'll always hold as such a precious memory with my dad. And during this season... Um, I began to pray that God would create new pathways in dad's brain as he listened to the word of God, as he was sleeping, as he was awake, and that God would give him revelation of his truth, even if his physical mind wasn't able to take it in. And I believe that in this last year, the Holy Spirit taught dad many, many things. And even in his frail state, I firmly believe that God God helped him and that dad grew in his faith. Early, the Lord really encouraged me. This was just three days before dad went home to heaven on November 21st, maybe four days. Um, Saturday morning, um, very early, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart concerning dad's walk with the Lord. He said, I work way beyond what you see or know. And so that was just super comforting to me, knowing that God is working even when we couldn't see it. At that time, Dad was in the hospital, and so I did a video call with him that same evening, and I just had such a strong sense that the Lord wanted me to sing his favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And um, at that point, 
dad, the only way he was able to respond was to open his eyes. And so when I started to sing it as well with my soul, he just opened his eyes really wide, and he was tracking with me the whole time. And then the next morning in church, we had a guest worship leader, and that leader led in the song, It Is Well With My Soul. We literally haven't probably sang that song here 10 to 20 years, I don't know. But it was the next morning, and especially Kathy and I, we were like, I believe all of us just really believe that was just the Lord um, saying to our hearts that indeed it is well with my soul. And dad went home to be in heaven just a couple days later. And God did a miracle for us. He brought dad home before he transitioned to heaven. That was the desire of our heart. And um, hospice wasn't, didn't have an opening for him. They weren't gonna, he wasn't going to be coming home till Wednesday, but they had a surprise opening on Monday. And so dad came home, and he actually died on Tuesday. And so the Lord brought him home so we could be with him for 26 hours. It was such a precious gift from God that I'm just really thankful for. And just hours um, before dad transitioned to heaven, I just... I had, I didn't know it was just hours. Um, I just had a really sweet time praying with dad and reading him the word. I shared 2 Corinthians 5 with him that our earthly bodies are going to pass away and God is going to give us a brand new body and that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And the whole time I was sharing with him from the word and praying from his eyes were just tracking with me. I mean, he was so, he was so focused. Um, and I just looked into his eyes after I shared that and I said, Dad, it won't be long and you will have a totally healthy body and you will be jumping and leaping and walking on streets of gold. Then I sang, it is well with my soul to him one more time, and about a half hour later, he went home to be with the Lord. <laughs> um, a year ago in November 2019, we actually weren't even sure Dad was going to make it to Thanksgiving, and God grant us, granted us a whole extra year with him. Over the years, I had asked the Lord that Dad wouldn't die before his heart was ready to meet Jesus. I believe that he granted my request. And even though I'm really going to miss him, my heart is so light and filled with joy that, you know, that he's with the Lord and it really won't be long in perspective of eternity until we're together with him again. Okay, so in conclusion, I just want to share just a few snippets of different things that Dad said or did in the last year that really blessed my heart. One is his many amens following when we prayed for him. <laughs> um, one night, um, during a pause when I was reading the Bible to him, he just said, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> during another prayer time, some of the things Dad prayed were, Thank you, Father, for being so good to me. Thank you for something to eat. <laughs> That's what he prayed. <laughs> um, Thank you for the Holy Cross. Thank you for my wife. And then on March 7, 2020, one of Dad's caregivers texted me this message. It's something I really treasure now. She said, I am sitting with your dad while your mom is gone, and he is sleeping. And I hear him say, Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. 
A little over a month ago, before Dad died, I asked him if he would like me to read something from him from the Bible and what he'd like me to read. And he just paused, and then he goes, I want to go to heaven, um, as in stating his desire to transition to heaven. And as I left his room, he said, walking on streets of gold. And so now he's walking on streets of gold, and God has answered my childhood prayer that my dad, for my dad's spiritual well-being and just that assurance of knowing that he is really with Jesus. And so now, um, yeah, I'll turn it over to the rest of my family as they come and just share memories that they'd like to share. I'm Vicki's husband, Adam. Uh, I wrote down about 10 or 15 memories and didn't choose which ones until I got up here, which what I was going to share. But um, one of them was, I will never forget the day when I drove up to Black Duck to Bud's Mill in the middle of the workday to ask him for his consent to marry his daughter. Um, I had heard... I, th I didn't know Bud very well at that point, um, but I had heard that he kind of had a reputation for when he was at the mill, he was all business. And so I was glad for the noise of the mill as I walked in there so he couldn't hear my knees knocking. Um, <laughs> so when I asked him, I think he responded with something like, well, I guess that'd be okay by me. Uh, I don't recall the exact words he said, but the words that followed that, I remember perfectly um, because they sounded like a commissioning to me. Uh, he ended the conversation by saying, bless the Lord. And uh, that's been our goal ever since. So thank you, Bud, for blessing us at that time. Um, the second one is um, a story that I was not present for, but I heard from Bud a couple times. I may not have all the details exactly right. There's probably people here or listening who know some of these uh, details better, but this is how I heard it. Um, he, was, uh, he was a youngster at home with his siblings, and mom and dad were gone. And there hung over the mantle this rifle. And he wanted to have a closer look at that, and so he and I think one of his brothers maybe took it down and you know the rest of the story, of course, it was loaded, and it went off. <laughs> it shot through, down through the, the floorboards of the house and uh, scared them so bad that they quickly put that thing back, and, um, and they covered up the hole in the floor with a rug, and it seemed like they got away with it. Um, nobody said anything uh, until... Sometime later, when somebody went downstairs into the root cellar and said, hey, some of these jars of pickles exploded. <laughs> so I had the privilege of, um, let's see, when did I start caretaking? September? About a year ago. A year ago. Okay. I'm Josiah Sharon. Um, <laughs> uh, Grandpa, he's my... Ugh. Bud is my grandpa. And um, about a year ago, I started caretaking um, for him every week um, until I went to college four months ago. 
Um, and I just had a lot of sweet times and memories with him. Um, and we'd talk about various things. He would always like, he would always, I'd sit next to him and then he'd point out something in the room and then like, uh, he kind of like, he'd make up something about it or um, he'd start calling it a name or uh, kind of like personalizing it. <laughs> um, and he had all these nicknames for all these different like items he saw. Um, but um, also every, every week I would, I'd read him some scripture um, out loud um, and, and he would, he would listen and kind of like, it seemed like he was meditating, almost like contemplating it. Um, and I would pray with him, um, and it was just a really sweet time. Um, and also he would tell me stories about the Air Force. He loved talking about, um, his time there. Um, and one specific story, he, uh, he said, uh, let's see, his, he was the mechanic for um, a plane with the last two letters were 3-2. And so his nickname in the Air Force was 3-2. And I was like, can I, can I call you 3-2? And then from that point on, I called him 3-2. Um, even up till when I video called with him. Um, was, how long was that before he passed away? The day before he passed away. And I'm like, I'll see you later, 3-2. <laughs> and... Um, and yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kathy Cootley. I'm the second oldest. And I just have a couple memories from when I was mainly a little girl. Um, and I wrote them down just so I would not lose, lose it. So my memories of my dad growing up, I never remember. <laughs> okay. I never remember my dad ever saying a harsh word. He never said a harsh word ever, probably because mom disciplined us all the time and he didn't have to. But I never remember a harsh word or a complaint. He was never crabby. I don't ever remember him being crabby ever. He was always smiling and he loved to talk to people. <clears throat> okay. He was a hard worker, and he left early in the morning, and he came home really late at night, usually. Um, but a fun memory I have when he was younger. <laughs> I remember a really cold winter night, and my dad came in from outside, and he put his hands, his freezing hands, on my mom's back, and I remember her letting out a really loud squeal, and we all thought it was really funny. <laughs> Um, my sisters and I, we'd all baked him really warm cookies. I remember baking lots and lots of cookies because we knew when he came in, he would just love a warm cookie. 
and he was always so delighted. <laughs> so another fun memory <clears throat> was when we went on the family road trip to California. I, I was 11 years old, and my mom, I know, had it all planned out. Um, and my dad must have said something to her because that we might not be able to go. Because I remember going out in the woods, and my mom was going to make sure that we were going to go. I don't know if I'm connecting dots differently, but we went out to the woods that very next day because... Not that dad needed help out in the woods, but um, I think mom was trying to make a point or something. I don't remember. <laughs> but I remember trees falling all around me, and it was like really surreal. I know we were probably safe and everything, but um, I know we did go on the trip. And, um, and, and when we left, I remember getting into the family station wagon and it was brand new at that point, I think, because it, it was a 72, and it was so beautiful and wonderful, and we all packed in there. And <clears throat> every tiny corner had something in it. I remember having a big box of food on my lap as we left, like canned food, because, you know, we, as we went along the way, we would stop at different campsites and make up whatever we were going to eat, and then we would... Put up a tent, and I remember some cooler nights, but it was fine. We, were, we had a wonderful time. It was amazing. And as we, well, as we went along, I remember one of the first sights that I was so amazed by was the ocean. I don't think I'd ever seen the Pacific Ocean before. It was the very first time. And so we walked out on the beach, and the tide was coming in, and I was just so thankful that Dad was able to get away for that trip because that was... A wonderful memory. So anyway, then I moved away from home in 1981. I met John, <laughs> and I was able to come home usually once a year or so. And <clears throat> yeah, it was hard because we didn't we didn't call on the phone a lot. I don't know why we didn't really do that very much. So every time I got back home, I remember <laughs> it was so amazing to see to see him again. And finally we moved back here in 2003, and I'm just thankful. It was the best move ever. And I finally got to know my dad. That was 17 years ago now. And I got to know him so, so, so good. Every time I would walk into the house, when he was sitting in the chair, I remember him looking at me, and he would just, he would have so much joy in his eyes, and he would say my name, and it just felt so good to finally know him. So we talked. We did so many, so many wonderful talks. I just love talking with him, and he'll be missed. But I'm thankful to know he's in heaven now. He's in heaven now. We'll see him again. Thank you. Hi, I'm John Cooley. It's obvious who I am. <laughs> um, Kathy, I want to tell you about a story I first learned of Bud's generosity back in August of 1981. Kathy, my brother Mike, and I were in New York State visiting my parents. Kathy was meeting my mom and dad for the first time. My brother and I were on leave, and the Air Force called my brother and told him that he was leaving two days earlier than expected for a TDY to Germany, which was supposed to be right after our leave. 
So we had to leave New York State right away and drive to California via Minnesota in three days to drop Kathy off. I was driving and there was this last second detour. I made the hard right turn, but the 67 Cougars fender structure did not. <laughs> we limped the car to Kathy's Bemidji apartment using vice grips to hold the frame together. And Kathy said her dad had welding equipment at his sawmill, so we called him and he said, sure, bring it out. Bud used a petty bone to pull the left wheel back into shape, and then he created the inner framework out of a quarter-inch thick steel plate. In the rain, sitting in the mud, using a MIG welder, he welded it on, and he lived. <laughs> I could not believe he was willing to do that. He wouldn't take any money for it, so we took him out to get cheeseburgers at midnight. <laughs> And then we hit the road back to California. Who else would have done that for us in those dangerous conditions for free? 23 years later, in 2003, he let Kathy, Anthony, Douglas, and I move in with them for four months while we were getting our land and house ready to move into. Four months is a long time to have a whole family live with you. Thank you so much, Martha, for that, too. <laughs> During that same time, Bud cleared the woods on our property with a cat. It was fun to watch him do this. He was amazing with that thing. He was definitely an experienced pro. He cleared that lot in record time and it looked beautiful. A few years later, he built up and leveled off an area in our backyard that water would come into. And to this day, no water ever comes into that area. He always did all this with a smile on his face and he would never take any money for doing it, but he would take food. <laughs> so Kathy always made sure he got plenty of payment that way. I will miss Bud's stories, his laugh, his generosity, his amazing generosity, and our shared Air Force camaraderie. Oh, and one other side note, I've never met anyone who can sharpen a chainsaw like Bud could. Man, was he good. He taught me how, but I've never been able to get the same results as he could with as little effort as he put into it. So, we'll miss you, Bud. Hi, I'm Cindy Davis, I'm the third child, um, and this is my husband, Scott. Um, I want to share with you, I wrote um, something for my dad. I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> It's called, A Tribute to My Daddy. My daddy, as seen through the eyes of a child, that child is me. My daddy was tall, dark, and handsome. My daddy was brave. He was strong and faithful. My daddy was a hard worker, always providing for our family. My daddy was kind. He always believed in people. He was generous. One time I saw him give the shirt off his back to someone who was in need. I never heard my daddy ever complain. Even though he worked long hours from sunup to sunset, 
Most days, I did not see my daddy because we were already in bed. Thinking back, I am so thankful that he spent his life so that we could have a warm home, clothes, and food on the table. I will always be in debt to my daddy. I remember Sundays, the only day he did not go to work. After lunch, he'd sit down in front of the football game and fall asleep. Knowing how hard he worked, I should have let him sleep, but in my desperation to spend time with him, I would sit on the floor next to his chair and keep him awake with relentless questions about the football game. <laughs> As a seven-year-old, I knew more about football than probably anyone my age. Time. A moment in time is all we have to spend with those we love. We can never get back lost time, and regret is hard to swallow. I am thankful as a child I took the time to seek my dad out, even if it was in front of the TV. It was my special place with my daddy, and I will always remember that. And even though he did not say, I love you often, I knew in my heart that he loved me dearly because of his sacrifice. His example of love has led me to a love so much deeper and so much greater. A relationship that has forever changed my life. One that will last for all eternity. It is my relationship with my heavenly daddy who loves me unconditionally. He gave his only son to come to this earth as a baby and to die in my place for my sins and my sicknesses. It was the greatest gift of all. So today, I give tribute to my earthly daddy, and by his example of love, I have found the greatest gift of all. That is eternal life with my heavenly daddy. I asked my daddy last Christmas what he wanted, and he said, a Snickers bar. <laughs> so, I can only imagine this Christmas. He will be sitting with Jesus, eating that last, that one last Snickers bar he had always wanted. My memory of Bud was that... Uh that I want to share with you is that uh, he was unstoppable. 
That phrase, uh, it's tough to keep a good man down, uh, certainly applied to him. I remember specifically, uh, he had just come home from the hospital uh, after having a quadruple bypass. And I think it was like the day after he came home from the hospital and uh, he was bound and determined to go up to the mill. And uh, amongst a lot of arguing and trying to convince him that that was a bad idea, uh, I guess the decision was made that I was going to go up there with him to try to keep him in line. <laughs> and we more, no more than uh, pulled on to the property, and the next thing I knew, he had climbed up onto a, a loader truck and was offloading a truck of logs. And uh, that was him, though. Um, I've never seen anybody who uh, really ever let anything get him down. He was quite amazing. So I'm Shelby Sorheim, and this is Sid Sorheim. We're granddaughters. Um, we have lots of good childhood memories growing up with Grandpa. Um, one of them. Not just one, we have lots of good memories. We made lots of amazing forts in Grandma and Grandpa's woods with Anthony and Doug. <laughs> and I think we've all come to the conclusion that Grandpa really loves sweets. And I get that from him. <laughs> We brought dum-dums today because we could always count on Grandpa to have them in his glove compartment of <laughs> the little old Ford pickup. And he always made sure to have them in there for us. I won't miss him. Okay, so I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do this or not, but um, I am Amber Byers, Amber Davis. I am their first grandchild. And I made my husband a promise I would try because he tried at his mom's and didn't work for him, and I'm hoping it's going to work for me. But thankfully, over the last probably five years, my husband and our housemates that live with us have made so that we've been able to come up here at least twice a year to be able to visit for the last five years so all of my babies were able to get to know him um I have so many memories like I couldn't even begin to start with any of them but the only one that I really remember is when um my cousin Connie um, she, her and I would stay every summer at, at my grandparents' house and, um, and, uh, we decided to take the lawnmower to go down to the three culverts because we wanted to go swimming and, um, grandpa saw us out the window 
and he saw us. I mean, we were smart enough to turn off the blade, but um, he saw us trucking down to the culverts in the lawnmower, and he chased down after us in his truck and was like, what are you guys doing? You can't take this down there. If you wanted to go, you should have asked. And so we realized that we couldn't take lawnmowers down the road. We thought that we could drive that just like a four-wheeler, but, um, but no, I remember... I, when I think to my childhood, and I think of home, just because we moved so much when, with my parents, we moved so much. So when I think of home, my home is my grandparents' house, and I owe my life to them. And that's not to disrespect on my parents, but I owe my life to my grandparents. And I know that he's, he's going to be really missed. And I thought I had got all the tears out at home, but I knew once we got up here it would be hard. So I just want to thank everyone that was able to get to know him and took the time to get to know him. And yeah, he'll be missed. Were there any more grandkids who had something to share? Or any of the siblings? If not, um, Martha asked for us to open a time for any of you to be able to share. We don't have a very long time for that, but I uh, do want to open that briefly and ask if anyone wants to share a memory of Bud. or if I should take the microphone and start making the rounds. We got a couple here. Hi, I'm Randy. You think it's gonna be easy when you're sitting in the chair. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I'll go up there. It'll be fun to share. <laughs> now I'm in the mic. Um, I'm Anthony's wife. I married into the family. And I just remember Anthony and Doug sharing their childhood with me. Um, and their experiences and shenanigans that they would get into with their grandpa. And uh, Anthony had shared that he loved Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and so he would have <laughs> a pop hiding in the barn and he wouldn't want grandma to know. And so they could always count on going out there and getting a pop. And so, <laughs> For one of his birthdays a while back, we thought a good gift to give him would be a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and this is also a confession to Grandma. <laughs> we had snuck in the door. We didn't want to make such a scene. And I had kind of like held out my hand with a Dr. Pepper not making eye contact. And I looked back to see if he would, was reaching for it. His eyes were wide-eyed. He was reaching for it. 
and uh, he had gotten about halfway down before Grandma had caught him, and she asked who gave this to him. <laughs> and Grandpa did have some dementia towards the end, and um, I don't know if it was his dementia or if he was playing it up a bit, but he said he forgot as he looked right at me. <laughs> so thank you, Grandpa, for not getting me in trouble. <laughs> and just thank you for your love for your grandkids, and thank you for um, treating me as one of them. You'll be missed. Hello, my name's Tom Murphy. Uh, I, I met Bud, I was up here, traveling up here to Red Lake, I guess, to look at logs. I'm in the logging business also in, from uh, Monaga, Minnesota. I came up here to look at some timber and on, before I go, went home, I, I knew Bud just occasionally. I just stopped by to say hello and before I went home and he says, uh, how'd you like to go in partnership together? And I, it was a complete surprise, but I thought I have to think about it, and I checked it out, and a couple of days later, we decided to go. Bud would run the mill and do everything, and I was to furnish the logs and and get the lumber sales, and it, it worked out good. We went, went 20 years, basically, without any arguments that I can recall. Kind of fired up when he run the mill, and after he got the mill shut off, it was like peace, and it was a, a different ball game. You just very peaceful. We at that time we'd always go down and have supper, then then the, then the war was over. We we just went at it. But he was a very nice guy, and he's a hard worker. You couldn't beat him. He just wouldn't let up. He just all business that way. But I just appreciate Martha and and Greg and the family, and I, I enjoyed my 20 years up here. I, I believe so. God bless his soul. I, I really like him. So, anyways, that's me. So. So I just wanted to say something in response to Randy's Dr. Pepper story. Um, this is my, for those of you that haven't met her, you probably have, but this is one, one of my housemates, Janet, um, and she's always my travel buddy when we come up here. Um, but one year we came up here and we are not the healthiest. I got my love of sweets from my grandfather, yes, um, and all the many times working at the mill and sneaking Snicker bars. But um, we had brought chocolate-covered peanuts and Dr. Pepper. And Grandma had said, well, just make sure Grandpa doesn't get a hold of it. And we were like, okay, we're gonna make sure. So she said her Dr. Pepper was like half empty. She set it in the fridge, like behind something. And um, later that night, you hear his little like 
walker going in the kitchen and you're like, what is he doing? And you sneak out there and there he is drinking the Dr. Pepper that was in the fridge that he found. Somehow I'm not sure how he found it. And then the next day he asked me what I was eating and I was like, oh, they're just chocolate covered peanuts. It's not, and he's like, oh, I've never had those before. And I was like, I'm sure you've had chocolate covered peanuts before. And he was like, oh, oh, give me just a few. And so I gave him a few and no big deal. You know, I'm like, just be quiet. Don't tell grandma, you know. And then Janet comes by and Janet's got her bag of chocolate covered peanuts. And he's like, what are you eating? And she's like, chocolate covered peanuts. And he's like, oh, I've never had those before. You should give me a few. And so Janet gives them a handful too. And later in the bedroom, I was like, I gave my grandpa a handful of chocolate covered peanuts. And she was like, so did I. She's like, I didn't know you did. And I was like, oh no, okay, we need not give him any more sweets. But yeah, so that's where my love of sweets came from was my grandpa. So. Um, I think as the musicians come for the next song, uh, perhaps there's someone else who has one last memory to share. And if there are none, I will do that myself. I'll tell you, Bud is the only person on the planet I have ever heard use the phrase what in the cat hair? <laughs> Does anybody else ever hear him say that? Said, what in the cat hair? I don't know what, I've never heard anyone else use that phrase. Okay, and so, as you have become well aware by now, Bud's favorite song was, It Is Well With My Soul.
That's actually another memory I have from way back, is the Sorheim children going up to the front in the old church building, which was right over here, the Shiloh Presbyterian Church, and singing. I don't know if it was all five of you or not, but was it? <laughs> and uh, I was kind of impressed with that, that, the family that would do that and sing, and I'm impressed with this today, too. And I know if Bud was sitting here, you know, maybe he is aware of it, but if he was sitting back there where he always sat, that his eyes would be open and those tears would be welling up <laughs> in the eyes, which I saw very often from right up here. Um, very often in services with different things, his eyes would well up in tears. That soft heart, that tender heart toward the things of God was there so much. Um, I have some, well, I have a lot of memories. I, those are some of those. But uh, I remember in 77 when we moved here, our family over on Gull Lake, uh, that Bud did a lot of cat work by us. I remember Greg coming with him too quite often. But Bud, there was something, he was so skilled on that cat, it was almost like he was a piece of the, the caterpillar, or the caterpillar was a piece of him. I mean, it was like one unit, I mean, and every move, I mean, he was, every move meant something. You know, in clearing the land or uh, leveling out the, the ground and so forth, I was very impressed with that as well. Uh, and what he could do with that cat and get those trees, even the big ones, you know, get them to topple over or get the roots out and so forth. But uh, somebody mentioned about sharpening. It, uh, was that you, Scott, or that uh, John? That he taught you how to sharpen. Well, he, he did us, too. He, when we were over there, because we weren't lumberjacks by a long shot, and <laughs> but we had all these trees to cut and so forth, and and uh, so he he would show us, hey, just you know, and it was sharp. I mean, just like knife through butter. It did not work as well when we tried to do it, but but he he could get her done, and he showed us and. That was neat. But uh, I have something here that is actually a paper that he wrote on. We had here at the church. It was a discipling questionnaire. And it's signed Arlen Sorheim, February 4, 1990. And uh, the first question was briefly give your testimony of becoming a Christian and this is what he wrote back then it started a long time ago I just grew in the love of the Lord which made me believe in someone other than just myself 
Thank you, Lord, he wrote. And then the next question was, do you at any point remember being disciples, discipled one-on-one -on -one or in a very small group? And he said, yes. By whom were you discipled and when and where? He says, by a person, and it's either in Washington or their name was Washington years ago. And I'm not sure. Can you clarify that, if it was which that was? Um, and then what particularly helpful aspect of this nurturing do you remember? And this is what he wrote, that Christ was real and that the Lord can be real in your life and my life too. When I was a youth, I was lost. But see, that's the thing that he would tell us right now. You know, I often think of that when I'm standing here at a memorial service or a funeral service. What would the person that has passed, made that transition, what would they want said right now? You know, we're remembering Bud and his life. And what a tribute to your family you are to him today. I'm just blessed and impressed. Um, but what would, he, what, do you, what would he want me to say here at this time, of, at this point in the service? Well, he, he just said here, I learned that Christ was real. And that the Lord can be real in your life. And that's what he says to you today. Maybe it's somebody here that doesn't know that. Maybe it's somebody watching or listening that doesn't know that. Well, Bud would want me to tell you, he knew it here by faith. But now it's by sight. <laughs> he knows by sight because he passed over, he passed through into that next place, that next realm. And he knows. And he'd say, Steve, tell him that it's real. This is real. Heaven is real. Jesus is real. And Jesus is the way to the Father and into the kingdom. And Jesus is the truth. The Word of God is truth. And Jesus is the life. He's the eternal life forever. His Word is true. That was another thing on here on this questionnaire. List any areas in which you still are lacking and need training and equipping in order to become, to, to uh, effectively disciple someone else. And he says, I need to get into the Word more. But the Word is true. The Word is truth. It is the truth. And Jesus is the way. He is the truth and the life. 
There is a lot of uh, testimony about love here today and the love of God and the love of a father, earthly father, daddy, but then the heavenly father, daddy, our Abba father. And we see in Romans 5.8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And that's the key. Bud would tell you, I wasn't perfect. In fact, that's one of the things that Vicky shared he was dealing with. I've had so many transgressions. Aren't you glad that that's not where it's at? how good I am, or how good you are, how good Bud was. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was so vulnerable, born like this little baby. He was a little baby there in Bethlehem. He died. Also, he became so vulnerable. He laid down his life physically. He died for us. Why? So that we might live forever. He took all the price of all the sin of all mankind, of all humankind, upon himself. And this is already accomplished. It's not something that is to be accomplished. He did it all. Just before he died, he says, it is finished. It's finished. He paid the price. Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. And what we need to do now is receive that for ourselves by faith. And that's a decision. It's a decision to believe that the Bible is true, that the Word of God is true. I believe it, and I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved. Grace, that's unmerited blessing. Through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. 1 John 1, starting at verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it's perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. That is good news, good news. And when we receive Jesus, when we receive that forgiveness, just by asking for it, saying, Lord, I need a Savior. I have sinned, I know. And I receive your forgiveness. Well, we're made spiritually alive then. We receive the life of God into our spirit person inside. And we're no longer separated from God, which we are before that, because of sin. That separation is totally taken care of through Jesus and through his shed blood. Yes, we're spiritually connected with our Heavenly Father God, our Daddy God, our Abba Father, and we are new creatures in Him. 
new creatures in him. So, in this day of remembering Bud and this memorial service for him, in a sense, on his behalf, I'm asking you if you have received Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't, you know what? You can do it right now. In fact, we're going to pray a prayer uh, concerning that. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It says in Revelation 3.20, it says, Jesus says, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we could see that as the door of our lives. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him or her and dine. And him or her with me. So, that invitation is there right now. Now, those of you that have received Jesus already as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me affirmation. But if you've never done this before, I invite you to make a decision. Make a decision. I'm going to believe the Word of God, which we've heard today through the family and now more of that scripture. And pray this prayer after me to receive him as your Savior by faith in his word. So let's pray together now. Father God, I know that I have sinned. I know I need a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he went to hell for me. I believe that he rose from death. I confess all my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your eternal life. I declare Jesus is now my Lord. I know that I am a part of your family now. I know that your Holy Spirit now lives within me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you prayed that prayer, you made that decision to believe. You prayed that with me. You're a believer in Jesus Christ now, and you are born again, born anew. The Holy Spirit of God, yes, we believe this by faith. He's come into you, and you're a new creation in Christ and you're part of the family of God. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of life and light. That's the truth that Bud would want you to know now. Praise God. Right now we're going to have 
Raise a hallelujah. This one is congregation participation. And guess what? The heavenly hosts are going to sing along too. What do you say about that? Please stand with us.
imagine what they're doing in heaven right now? Wow. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we do raise a hallelujah unto you. Thank you for the life of Bud Sorheim. We celebrate that today. And we know it's not just temporal here on this earth, but eternal life in you. We're so thankful, and we give you thanks today. We do receive that peace and comfort from you as well, because we do miss him. We do miss him. But we thank you for the memories and for the future hope we have. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And just an announcement here. Um, there will be a graveside service in the summer of 2021 with full military honors. And now we invite you to stay to watch a 15-minute slideshow of Bud's life. So that's going to take place now. So if you would like, if you would like to stay, yeah. So. Thank you, Tim. 